Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm really excited today to introduce you to you a guest, Chef James Barry. And James is from the United States, and he's got a really good product out there called Pluck, and hopefully we can talk through it today. But firstly, let's uh, listen and hear what the man behind it's got to say for himself. So if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your backstory there, James, go for it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on your show, Matthew. Uh, it's a, quite a pleasure. Um, I have actually been a chef for 16 years. Sometimes that even amazes me. But I, uh, I started out as a, I started out in the industry in my 30s. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be a private chef when I got in. I was very clear. I didn't want to work at a restaurant. So I immediately uh, immersed myself. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles and I immersed myself in the private chef world. And I was very fortunate. got to cook for a lot of celebrities names. Most of you, you know, your audience and you probably heard of like Tom Cruise and George Clooney and um, Barbara Streisand, just, just an amazing group. And um and then I just, I, I, I wanted more though. I didn't want to just cook for celebrities and wealthy people. I really wanted to truly help as many people as possible. And so I left that world and I started a meal delivery service. Um, and I ran that for eight years. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon, um, had my second child with my wife. And then uh, that inspired me to create a functional food. And, um, and, and that brings us to the current situation, which is I created a an organ-based seasoning called Pluck. It's the first of its kind. And uh, it's an amazingly easy way to get nutrient, the nutrient density of organ meats. Yeah, that's great. Let's, uh, let's just take it back one step and say, you know, when you're working with all those uh, celebrities and things, then what's the focus with celebrities on health and um, the best way of eating? Or was there like millions of different diets out there and it was a case of trying to get what you can to help them on the journey that they wanted to go on? Well, I immediately learned I had to know exactly what you said, all the diets, because most celebrities are just following what the trend is at the time, unless they're truly, they, they just, they're, they're very grounded in what diet works for them. But most are following, you know, the current book with its popular and trying that out. And so as a, as a private chef, you really have to understand. And when I first got in the industry, the uh, book of, of the moment was the fat flush diet. And so <laughs> it was trying to take out fat from the diet, which uh, we of course have learned is the exact opposite thing you want to do. But um, <laughs> um, so that was, a, that was something I had to learn how to cook things without lots of fat and very, you know, very specific ingredients. Um, and then there's detoxes and cleanses. Celebrities are very into those as well. And so I needed to know these things. And what I learned quickly was that I couldn't just, you know, uh, practice them and in the kitchen and do it for them. I did it for myself first. Like I needed to be the guinea pig. And so I have <laughs> um, tried many, many diets in my lifetime. I, I mean, detoxes, diets, you name it. Uh, the most recent one I did was the carnivore diet. And um, I, it's great. I mean, I, I feel like if anything, I have really come to, to learn what works for myself, but also I've, I've definitely learned what works for other people, I think as well, From even though everyone's different, but I, cooking for celebrities, their focus is uh, weight loss and maintenance. They want to maintain, you know, a, a good shape, good look, uh, healthy body. And so I, I learned what works for that. That's uh, it's great to know. It's interesting though that you tried all the diets 
And in the end, you've come to settle on what's best for people is organ meats, <laughs> simply because of the yeah. nutrient density that's in there. And you can pull out all of it. It means all the minerals. A lot of them are in meat. And so what I try to get across to people is if you're introducing meats and organ meats and animal produce in there, you're not missing out many vitamins and minerals, especially bioavailable vitamins and minerals in there. Um, Absolutely. So what was it? Was it something that you wanted to try and introduce into, into your own nutrition? Was it something that you thought, I need more organ meats? How am I going to get it? Because there's lots of people out there who think the same and think, I know that I need all these um, different kinds of meats and different kinds of organ meats in my nutrition, but how do I get them in? Some people just simply don't like the taste or some people just are repulsed at the fact of even touching them. <laughs> they mind cooking yeah. them. Absolutely. You're so right. I mean, I think, I think the barriers uh, that I identified was the taste, as you, as you mentioned, everyone associates them as being icky. Um, the other was the knowledge of how to cook them. Um, and even just wanting to deal with them. A lot of people don't like the sliminess of them. And then the third is um, limit. You're limited. You know, a lot of people can't find quality sources. And if they are taking supplements, they forget to take them. So I saw those, I identified those as the three barriers. And, and what I ultimately wanted to do was uh, basically what you said is I, I acknowledged that organ meats were the most nutrient dense food on the planet. Um, it, and, and just if anyone wants to research and test me on that, <laughs> um, simply do a search for most nutritious foods and you'll see people have come up with lists and inevitably on those lists, you'll see uh, broccoli, you'll see spinach, you'll see blueberries, you'll see uh beef, muscle, um, you know, meat, you'll see fish, you'll see kale, um, and then you'll see beef liver. And, and what's so fascinating on those lists is that whatever, nu whatever nutrient or mineral they, they are uh, trying to identify, inevitably one of those foods doesn't have something, but then beef liver checks off every box. And it doesn't just check it off like a little bit, you know, like um, beef meat has, you know, uh, has like three grams and beef liver has four. It's like, no, it's like three grams here and then 20 for liver, you know, it's like three to 10 times. And so, you know, when you look at these lists, it's just hard to deny. It is truly a superfood. I call it mother nature's multivitamin. And as you said, most people are not eating it. So that was my goal is how can I make this accessible because really what we're talking about is is organ meats are ancestral foods to me this is this is if you want to look at paleolithic times if you want to do any anthropological anthropological research you're going to find that our ancestors ate organs <laughs> they just did and some would say that that's why we can talk and think the way we can today because of the fats and the organs that they ate uh, from animals so that was the key is how do we do this and so to me it's really about taking ancestral foods, but marrying them with modern techniques. So we have the ancestral food of organ meat. So, and really when I say organ meat, I'm just not, I'm not just talking liver. I'm talking nose to tail. I mean, I really, my goal is to try to get as many of the organs and nose to tail parts of the animal into people's diets that are not currently in the diets. So um, I basically looked at that and I thought, well, wait a second, they are capsulating organs, right? So there is a, there basically, and what they're doing is they are, de, um, they're either dehydrating it or freeze drying it and freeze drying maintains as many as the nutrients as possible. And then they're powdering it and then they're encapsulating it. So I thought, well, wait a second, that, that powder is shelf stable. It's, it's, it's no different than collagen powder, really.
right? And so I, I then thought, well, okay, when we make a pate, for example, what are we adding to that liver to make it more edible? We're, we're adding onions, we're adding garlic, we're adding sometimes even carrots or sweet potatoes. So that's when I started to go, okay, let me see if I could just take spices and add it to this shelf-stable powdered organy, and then you have pluck. <laughs> that's brilliant because I think the taste is something that, well, everybody's going, the first thing, whenever anybody in, is introduced to something new, it's like, what does it taste like? You know, it's not, it's not what's it got in it, you know, <laughs> is it nutrient dense? They're the second things, third things people ask. The first thing is, what's it taste like? And the way I think you describe it is umami flavor, which is uh, like a fourth or fifth sense that we've got, isn't it? A, a, a different kind of taste. Yeah, umami, I, I would describe best as savory, but it, it's, what it is, is it's technically, they, they, they've identified a fifth taste. So we have the sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. And then they identified, um, I think it was in the 60s, they identified um, umami. And umami, because it's unique, it actually, what it does is it brings out and enhances the flavor of the other four. And because we, most of us aren't getting umami in our diet most of the time, when we do get it, our bodies are like, oh, I want more of this. It's almost like crack or something. You just, you want more because it's so unique and different from what you're normally getting. And organ meats have a natural umami. So I'm not adding any new agent to the, to pluck. It's just organ meats are umami. And, um, and yeah, I, you've, you've tried it. I mean, how would you, how would you describe it? Yeah. Brilliant. I, I just thought, you know, it, it tastes like just a salty kind of savory, like you say, it's really, really, but you can't taste the organ meats in there. I mean, I like the taste of organ meats anyway. I'll make my own liver pate. I'll, I'll even have like liver and onions myself um, and heart and things like that. I like organ meats, but my wife is one who, who really doesn't, you know, if I make a liver pate, I, I have to make it really, really mild for mm. her to even, even, you know, say that, okay, it's something palatable for her. And she tried it. My two-year-old, tried it loved it you know on everything on eggs on well anything crackers you yeah. know, <laughs> anything yeah, we, so we put it on popcorn sometimes uh toast um yeah honestly we haven't found one thing it doesn't go well with we we in, in my household as well we my kids put it on everything i haven't met a kid that doesn't like it and really th that is the point like uh, people because so, sometimes i mean i inevitably find someone who's a really big organ uh influencer let's say and they're like oh why isn't there more organs in this and i said well because because I'm not trying to get the person that already loves and eats organs. I'm trying to get the people that aren't eating organs. And if I make it too, too much, or, you know, if I, if I make it a 50, 50 blend or 80, 20 blend uh, of 80% organs, people are, it's, I'm, I'm now not dealing with the hurdle of the taste, right? Cause then people will say, Oh, it's too meaty. It's too icky. And so uh, I found that nice balance. I think that, um, what we're ultimately trying to do is we're getting micro dosing. So we're getting, you know, micro doses of the nutrients in organ meats, but in frequent use. So that's why I recommend when people use pluck, you use it on everything. Just keep using it, your breakfast, your snacks, your lunches, your dinners, whatever, whatever fits, use it because that you're getting in frequent use micro dosing, which then equals, you know, sustenance. It, it equals, um, you, a load you know you're going to start to accumulate the, the the nutrients 
Yeah, that's great. There's something I was going to ask you was what were the percentages? But like you said there, you know, you, you've kind of got, a, I guess you went through a, a period of testing and seeing how much you could get away with, seeing how much uh, it tasted like organ meat and how much it didn't taste like organ meat. Because like you say, there's people out there who, who potentially like myself wouldn't mind it tasting a bit more like organ meat and getting the more benefits from that in there as well. I mean, I don't know if that's somewhere you, you're looking to go in the future or something, but actually you, 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 you uh, nailed it. Yeah. We are <laughs> about to, uh, we're about to launch uh, three new flavors and one of them is going to be called pluck pure. So it's going to be hundred percent organ blend. So it's going to be for the people like you who already know they love the taste. And then you just want to add it to everything. So you want to maybe you want to add it to your smoothies, or your beverages, or you want to add it to the spice, your, your other spices. And so this will be a great tool for that. And it's, um, it's, it's in a bag. So you'll be able to use a spoon. You don't have to open capsules because that's basically what people do right now is they get the supplements and they're opening capsules. So no opening capsules and it's cheaper than buying capsules. Yeah. So it's a great way to do it. I mean, that's what we was doing before to uh, get the nutrition into our, a uh, young boy was to open the capsules and mix it into something he liked, but it's yeah. much better having the taste, having the flavor. There. Like you say, for some reason, you know, he just loves the taste. You know, it's obviously appealing to kids. It's appealing to people who don't like the liver taste, don't like the organ taste. It's appealing to everybody. Uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you about it was um, the sustainability of it and, and the, the way you, you source your materials, because that's important to everybody nowadays is where you source them from. And, and, and there's a lot of people out there who would say, oh, organ meats, you know, I'm not sure about those, you know, isn't the toxins and things in them. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, those are great questions. So um, well, first I'll talk about uh, sourcing. So it's actually challenging to source here in the US because um, and, and it's not because the organ meats aren't available. They're just not designated for human consumption. So you really have to go to countries like New Zealand or Argentina, where the entire animal is basically designated for human consumption. And their, their main uh, industry is their grass fed, you know, pasture raised cows. And so they're utilizing every part of it for some kind of human consumption. Um, but one of my goals, so the current blend of Pluck is using a New Zealand uh, quality. So that's 100% grass-fed, pasture-raised, no hormones, no GMOs, um, no antibiotics. Um, so it's utilizing New Zealand-grade uh, powdered organs, but I'm about to be sourcing domestically. And what I'm doing is I'm actually trying to create a new supply chain here. So I found a, a, a ranch, a farm that, that basically meets my my needs so it's 100 percent grass fed no gmos no same same thing as new zealand no no hormones uh no antibiotic no no added antibiotics um, or no added hormones no antibiotics and uh i'm now going to be getting from them and i'm going to be creating a supply chain here but the one thing that's interesting is that uh it's challenging trying to get all of the organs so my current blend is liver kidney heart spleen pancreas so that's really important where you're getting five organs and in the future, I'm going to have to lose the pancreas, sadly, <laughs> at least for now, because the current ranch I'm looking at can't supply the pancreas because they're, the ranches are really beholden by the, the, um, the processor, the meat processor, and the meat processor has to have basically a plan uh, for whatever they're selling. Um, I think it's called a ha has HIPAA plan, I think, or I, I always mess it up. It's, it starts with an H, ha, has 
it's not hazmat, but it's something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, um, but basically they have to have a plan set up and, um, and most meat processors just don't have pancreas and, and brain and all these other parts of the, and the animal set up. But my goal is to eventually uh, become a big enough business where I can influence the industry enough to get these items. Um, but now we go to the other part of your question, which was quality and why sourcing is so important. So the simplest way to explain that to anyone is, well, well um, first of all, organs, there's this, this illusion that organs are where we store our toxins, and that's not actually, actually accurate. We store toxins in our fat. Uh, same with animals. And that's why the whole goal of, of health is you want to make sure your detoxification pathways are open. So toxins are not getting stored in your fat so that they're going out of your, you know, your pee, your poop, your sweat, you know, uh, you, you want them out of your body, not getting stored. And so when, that is why it's so important to get healthy animals, because whenever an animal is sick, they're not going to be detoxifying. They're not going to, there's not, their pathways are not going to be open. They may actually be storing um, some bad stuff in their organs then. And so that's why I focus on really healthy animals, not just how they're fed, but also how they're treated. I really do believe, um, I'm a big believer in, in, in energetic food, you know, that what you put into it is what you get out of it. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. I, I've recently just come across the energetic food and that, and it's uh, kind of like if you're, I think somebody put it across that if you're cooking your food with a smile on your face, you can taste it. <laughs> oh, was, yeah. I mean, you know. it re I'm so glad you're, you're discovering that because it's it is it's really fascinating if people want to do a deep dive into it. I mean, there, there's even belief that if let's just say you're uh, sensitive to gluten or something like that, but, you know, you're not doing it because you're allergic, but you're sensitive that if you actually eat it while you're happy and thinking of positive things that your digestion will, will be more regular when you eat it. It's fascinating when you look into it. Yeah. It's a great, it's great. All, all these new things that you can find out for nutrition. There's so many rabbit holes to dive into, but I'm pleased that you said about that. You're using all the different kinds of organs as well, because every organ on its own merit has got things to offer all kinds of different vitamins, minerals. Everybody puts liver up there in lights to say that's the main superfood, but you can get so many good things from the heart, the brain, the tongue, you know, all, all different kinds of things. Um, was it just, the beef that you was concentrating on then or, or because um, personally I, I prefer lamb liver I, I really like lamb liver it's, it's nice um, but was it just the beef that you was concentrating on or I know certain people when you start introducing them into organ meats and, and, and things chicken pork there's all different kind of ones out there absolutely uh, as a business I would like to create lines so right, right now we're doing bovine which is cow but my next my next line will be sheep absolutely that's that's kind of uh, cow and sheep are the two main um, animals that are uh, currently where their organs are being used, particularly in in um, in the supplement uh, field. So you can get access to it, but it's really about access, right? I mean, it goes back to that um, what I brought up earlier about is the industry is there a supply chain? And um, but I agree with you. I mean, I know people that eat. Eat the, when they shoot when they kill an elk, for example, that they're eating the organs there, and it's you know they're all different. They all have slightly different tastes, and um, and I think they're all they're all something we should be thinking about getting the variety in there and not just focusing on one animal. I I, I wholeheartedly agree. And so my hope is to do uh, you know have a line you know where there's maybe a chicken seasoning line. There's a lamb. 
I have an idea for uh, a beverage line using the lamb, the, the lamb organ. So um, that's great. Yeah. Get it, get it into however many things we can get it into and out yeah, there, I mean, into the world because there's so many people that are nutrient deficient nowadays. You know, we've got the the malnutrition of the overweight, obese population, the overweight and malnourished. You know, that's how it's going at the moment. We need to get the nutrient density out of there to the masses, to the people. Yeah, you know, and it's so fascinating, you, you know, when you look at the trends. So right now, uh, probiotic is very trendy, you know, so you're going to see lots of products coming out with probiotic, pre and probiotics in them. And, um, you know, the industry really follows trends. And, and I and I think I'm, you know, I, I, I would admit that I am probably ahead of the curve with organ meats. I don't know if the general public is ready for them, but that's the whole point of pluck. I'm trying to make it so it's really easy for you to get them. It doesn't taste like organs, but I do believe, you know, I, I believe that we should be mining the organ industry better. Like we should be utilizing these nutrient dense foods. You, you know, you mentioned that each, each organ has different um, nutrients and vitamins. So heart is really high in coenzyme, coenzyme Q10, for example, you know, spleen has five times the heme iron of even liver, you know, and it's high in vitamin C um, there's folate. Um, there's, there's B vitamins, you know, anyone that's feeling lots of stress, you know, B vitamins help with that. Right. And the, the supplement, the, the vitamins and minerals in the organs are going to help with basically every biological process in your body. And the way I look at it is this, it's once again, going back to this ancestral concept, which is like supports like, and what that basically means is that if you're eating the liver of an animal, it's going to support your liver. If you're eating the heart of an animal, it's going to support your heart. So that's why this nose to tail eating is really, feels really important to me because uh, as you mentioned, we are a nutrient deficient society and that is not changing. We are, we are getting worse and worse every year. I love that. That follows the same kind of ethos that I follow in, in my practice, which is, you know, we're animals, so we need to eat animals to become animals, you know, to be animals. So we're eating their, their muscle meat, supports our muscles. We're eating the livers, supports our livers. You know, we're drinking their blood, supports our blood. You know, it's that kind of uh, a thing. If we're just solely eating plants, what's it supporting? You know, what's it helping? Now, there's a lot of push out there, especially at the minute in the United Kingdom, of, of taking out meat, get, it, get, get meat out of it because it's, harming the environment i mean there's all this misnomer going on at the moment that we need to combat and we need to chuck regenerative farming out there and make sure it gets to to, to the world about you know we need to make sure we're having more meat we need to make sure we're keeping ourselves healthy we, and and regenerative farming can support the planet can be better for Absolutely. the planet i'm so glad you brought up regenerative farming because it, it's so true you know, this idea that you can farm without animals is ignorant. And, and the other thing that, that is also ignorant, and I don't fault anyone, I think this is just unknown because not everyone's a farmer. But if you talk to any farmer, any farmer, you will discover that there is no way to, to limit the death when you're eating food. So whether that's when you're killing an animal, that's obvious. But even when you're plowing fields of corn, you kill fawn, you kill rabbits, you kill animals that are hiding in the corn. And every farmer will tell you this. It's, it's horrible. I mean, you look at their faces, they're grief stricken on how much death happens when you plow a monocrop field. So there's, there's really no escaping the loss of life to provide life, right? I mean, that is the whole reason we're, eat, we're eating uh, whatever we eat, whether it's vegetarian or animal, we're eating because we want to survive. And so there's just no way to get around that someone's life 
or something's life is going to end for something else to survive. Yeah, it's, it's true. Whatever kind of nutrition you're on, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, or, or even if you're carnivore, you know, something has to die for you to be able to live. That's just that's just the circle of life. It's just, it just is a circle of life. Yeah. And, and I really, and, you know, and I really would, would offer this to anyone that, you know, I'm, I'm sure your, most of your audience is, is a meat, is an omnivore, they're eating meat. But in case there's someone out there that maybe has a son or daughter that's thinking of going vegetarian, because obviously it's the younger kids that are following trends right now. And, and maybe you're someone that is not eating meat. I would just offer, you know what, eat however you want to eat. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone should dictate a diet, but here's where you got to listen is to your body because your body will not lie. So if you're eating a vegetarian diet and you're just, you know, you've got incredible gas and digestive stress and your skin is, you know, you're, you're having rashes and your skin's breaking all the time. You got to listen to that, you know, and if you're eating meat and you're constipated all the time and you're, and you're getting cramps and you're something, you got to listen to that. You know, you got to listen to your body because your body is unique and beautiful and it's not going to lie. So that's all I ask, whatever path you go down, just don't be dogmatic about it. Don't let your body, uh, don't ignore your body's signals. Yeah, I'm so pleased you said that because I do work uh, closely with a lot of people in my health coach practice and we do resets like carnivore resets like you've done yourself, keto and, and paleo. And I tend to use all them kind of uh, nutritions for resets. And then it's a, a, a lifestyle nutrition. I hand it over to the person to say, like, right, let's start listening to now what you're telling me. Let's start listening now to what your body's telling you. And then we can work out a nutrition from there because some people can tolerate a lot more vegetables, a lot more fruits more than maybe your average person in your diet but some people can't some people prefer to stick kind of more animal-based the whole of their lives which is their lifestyle nutrition that's the way they go and as well people add in more exercise here and there have to supplement in those real food carbohydrates to to make sure they can live the lifestyle that they want to do be athletes whatever they they want to do so it's all about like you say listening to your body and the great thing that i took away from pluck was a lot of people, when I'm working with them, they just want something simple that they can introduce mm. into their lives that they don't have to change too much more. You know, they don't, they don't have to all of a sudden, you know, go really low carb or all of a sudden they have to eat loads of meat if they've been eating loads of vegetables. But that's what I really like, liked about Pluck was the fact that you can just introduce this into anything, whatever your nutrition is, even if it's carnivore, even if it's uh, veg vegetarian, even, even if, it, let's say, even if it's a sad American diet, sad British diet, whatever it is, you know, yeah. if you're still eating all that processed food, then at least you can add this in, like you see, even pop it on your kid's popcorn. You're adding it in, so you're adding in the nutrient density. And then eventually, if you add it in enough, like you say, pop it onto all those meals that you have. If you add it in enough, then lots of people report that the more nutrient dense food they have, then the more they tend to tip the scales over to not eating so much processed food. It's that's, that's the thing I took out of your pluck and that was great. <laughs> I, I love that. That's your takeaway. Cause I, yeah, it's a gateway, right? It's a gateway to health. It's a gateway to well-being. I, I absolutely believe that too. Um, I mean, I think, you know, uh, as parents, you know, as I mentioned, I have two kids and, and just in, in general, in this society, we just want to do good. Like we want to, we want to do good for our family. We want to do good for ourselves. We want to do good for the environment. We want to do good for the world, the planet, you know, we want everyone, you know, no one should be suffering, you know, sadly, there are people suffering. But if you think about it, life is made up, you know, it's a blank slate, and we've made it up. And, and somehow we've created suffering. I don't know why we did that, but we did. And, and so um, 
I think it just starts with that. Like when you want to do, do right, you know, you want to do good. You just, you just start, start with little steps. And I wholeheartedly agree that, that anything that does not require a new habit is really going to be key as we move into the health future. It's just so important because as we saw COVID went out the door, your health, people's health, it just went out the door. People started, you know, drinking more alcohol cells went up. Um, people, anything addictive went up. Um, people ate more bread and, and carbs and hostesses and, you know, pastries, all that kind of, all that, those sales went up. So we, we defaulted to our comforts. And that's the lovely thing about pluck is like no new habit. Just, we already season our food, just use this instead. And now you're getting the nutrients. And as you mentioned, I, I'm not here to tell you, you know, that you have to make all your food from scratch, even though I believe you should, but, but I, I'm not going to tell you, you have to do it. Like if you want to use pluck on your McDonald's takeout, go for it because it's going to add nutrients to everything you add it to. So add it to anything. Yeah. Yeah. But don't, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, so what do you, uh, are you still carnivore then yourself or, or do you live more of an omnivore type of nutrition now? I'm, I'm definitely more car carnivore than not. Um, I, the way I pretty much eat is, uh, is I definitely eat meat. Um, I eat vegetables, but I stick to kind of, uh, less, uh, less cruciferous vegetables. So I, I like, I'm, I'm trying not to do as many, as much broccoli or kale. Cause you know, there's more and more coming out that some of these things due to the phytonutrients are not, you know, um, they're, they're really not as good for our body as, as we've been told. So I'm, I'm kind of relooking at the vegetables I do eat, but I definitely eat like, you know, salads and arugula and carrots and, um, um, chard, you know, I do eat some of that stuff, but, um, but my main, my main, I, I definitely eat a lot of ancestral foods. So like, like cultured vegetables, I, I definitely eat those. I love, love eating that, you know, anything cultured. Um, yeah. And I would say meat, and then I just drink lots of water. And then, and then I would want to say what's more important about it, my diet is what I don't eat. So what I don't do is I don't do sugar very often at all. Like I don't, we don't even bring it into the house. It's, it's a treat. So for us to eat it, we have to go outside the house and it's an event. And so by doing it that way, we don't eat it very often. Um, we definitely eat our, we use pluck all the time. So we're getting our organ meats and um, admittedly though, we do need to incorporate more organ meats into the diet. Cause I, I think pluck, as I mentioned, is a great gateway. It's, it's a great resource, but I, I want to encourage people to eat organs. So my, I don't want you to stop at pluck. You know, I want you to keep going. And uh, I'd love to share some tips actually for anyone that is thinking, okay, I want to incorporate organs more into my diet. So uh, I'd love to share some tips on how to do that. If that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, pluck is definitely a gateway. Okay. That's going to be the easiest transition to eating organ foods. The next I would say is you want to focus on ratios. So I recommend buying some beef liver. Now, when you buy beef liver, most, usually it's frozen. So when you get it frozen, keep it frozen. And what I recommend you starting with is just ground meat. So get your ground meat, whatever it is. It could be lamb. It could be chicken or turkey. It could be beef. And then I want you to pull out that, that beef liver and just grate it frozen, grate, grate the frozen beef liver into your ground meat and, and focus on the ratio. So I've found that is if you keep it within around a 15 to 20%, no one will know it's in there. 
Not a single person will know. It just, it doesn't affect the flavor. doesn't affect the texture. And yet you're getting the nutrients from the liver. So that's a great way is just add it to your ground meat um, and just start out slow. You know, I always recommend people do it almost like you're transitioning uh, the food of an animal. You know, if you're transitioning the food, they recommend you do five, you know, 5% first and then build your way up. So 5% of new stuff and 95% of the old, you know, and, and then titrate up. So that's the second step. And then when you kind of are getting that nutrient in, you want to be a little bit more exp- you know, um, you want to be explored a little more, then I recommend trying chicken hearts. And the why I recommend chicken hearts is because they're truly mild. They do not taste like organs. They're very mild. They take on the flavor of whatever you're cooking it with. And they're small and you can chop them up and add them to a stir fry. And once again, no one will really know. You could add it with other meat. If anything, they'll just see the little bits go, what's this? You know, and they'll they'll just be curious, but they'll love the taste. So that's a nice grad, you know, once, once again, just gradually titrating up into getting more organs in. And then I would try tongue. Tongue is another great organ that a lot of people don't realize is closest to muscle meat. So the weirdest thing about the tongue is that it has a sheath around it. And it's kind of like a, it's like a hairy, not, not hair, like on our head, but like a, like hair, almost like stubble or something like that. It's like that on the tongue. And so you just, you just, when you cook it, you cook it no different than if you were braising, if you were braising any meat. So if you were uh, making pulled pork, for example, cook it just like that. And then when it comes out, you just pull, you pull the sheath off of the tongue and it shreds. What's underneath is this very tasty, um, shreddable meat, basically. And it shreds just like pork wood. It's just delicious. And it's such a great thing on tacos or it's just a great thing to use. Uh, and then from there, I would continue to explore other, you know, you can start to actually put the organs in the meat. So now take the liver and actually cook it with onions like you do, or, you know, make your kidney pies, you know, actually, you know, cut it up and put it in. But I think those are kind of the gradual ways of getting into your diet. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. I mean, my mouth's just salivating at that. <laughs> it sounds so good. But yeah, I've never actually thought about the uh, the frozen one, just fry, freeze it and grate it in. That's a great idea. Because I mean, we're lucky where we are. I've got a butcher that I know the butcher and I just ask, ask him to make up a particular mince and just add in 15, 20% of liver, 15, 20% of the heart, you know, add it in, mix it in while he's doing the, putting it through the mincer. And then we get ours like that. And it's great because like I say, my, my wife's not great on the taste, but she can't taste it. So it works really well for us. And I've, I've told other people that as well. And, and the chicken hearts one, um, Christmas time coming up, not long around the corner now. I tell you what, Pigs in blankets have never been as good as when you use chicken hearts. <laughs> use chicken hearts, wrap it around with a bit of bacon, cocktail stick through the middle, and everybody will love it. So that, oh. that's a it's a brilliant first step. Like you said, brilliant step into getting into, into organ meats. I, I defy anybody to to try that and not like it. You know? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's it's people will freak out at how good it is and they'll be shocked that they haven't they, that they had this idea that it was it wasn't good, you know. I, I think uh, the more we can demystify organ meats, the better, because they they really they really are great, you know. And notice I didn't say, oh, start with kidney, right? Because yeah. kidney can be strong, you know. Certain organs are stronger, and those are the ones that are giving you know the bad rap on all the other ones. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's true, like what we said before with the animals, um, beef liver tends to be a stronger one. So if you're not uh, grating in beef liver into your mince, then whatever mince it is, you could grate in some chicken liver or, or some lamb liver, which is, tends to be a little bit more milder. So you can start off right at the bottom and work your way up. It's a, it's a great spectrum there to follow for anybody. That's great. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the biggest thing I would say with chickens, because the organs are definitely the mildest of all, all the animals, but the hardest thing with chicken organs is finding a quality chicken because the chicken industry, I, I, I can only imagine it's similar in, in uh, United Kingdom as the US, but it's in the US, it's a very, it's not a good industry. It's, it's poor, poorly done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think we're as bad over here as you are over there. There is a lot more places now um, sourcing chickens better, a lot of more free range chickens, a lot more chickens living out on pasture there is over here oh, now. Um, and it's and it is being advertised a lot. There's lots of companies out there saying that, you know, their chickens and especially their pigs as well. Um, the pigs are, are more free range because those two are, are more monogastric animals, aren't they? So they store more of the bad fats, as it were, in their body. So if you're eating a lot of chicken and a lot of pork, then you are potentially getting a lot of omega-6, which is not the best fat. Um, so that, that's why I tend to veer over to the lamb and the beef because they're different animals. They've got more stomachs. They um, tend not to store their fat unless they're really poorly fed, tend not to store their fat as omega-6 for you to consume. So yes, be careful with your chicken and pork. Just make sure it's sourced really, really well. Now, I have a question for you because uh, something, that, uh, something that's really interesting. So in the U.S. here, you know, organ meats really aren't built into our our American food, you know, unless you go way back, you know, and if you go to certain areas in the South, chitlins is pig intestine. And that's, that is uh, cultural for that region. But in general, in the US, organ meats really aren't a part of our cuisine. But that is not true in the United Kingdom. So are you seeing, uh, well, well, let me say in the US, I'm finding that, you know, our ancestors, and when I say ancestors, I'm talking even just grandparents to great grandparents, they ate organ meat. But I'm finding the newer generation, my generation, and, and then the younger, are not eating organ meat. So, are you know, in your in in your country, the organ meats actually are built into many of the 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 food, you know, much of the food. So, are you finding people are still eating it, or is there a move away from it? Well, what I've seen just over the past sort of 20, 30 years, when I've researched it, is that it's kind of in a bit of a resurgence because, like you said, the same with us, our grandparents. Uh, uh, always used to cook with the organ meats we used to have pig fries and and beef fries and beast heart and, and all sorts of things which was using their organ meats and then it kind of took a dip away and it went away from all the supermarkets it was hard to get hold of nobody could source them there was always going off to animal feeds and things like that which a lot of the u.s market goes to doesn't it and it was hard to get hold of but now just recently over the past few years it has come back into the supermarkets so now you can go into most local supermarkets and they will stock things like liver and heart you know they're the more, more common ones it's still hard to get hold of spleen and, and brains and yeah. tongues and things like that but if you go to regenerative farms there's a lot online now especially in the uk uh, they are selling tongues and they are selling brains and they're selling blood as well you know and skin you know things that is because skin's an organ you know yeah so, absolutely you know you yeah, can, now you, you have do you have to do you have to order that at a you know a farmer's market or do you direct, order it directly from the from the ranch or or well, can you I'm, buy I'm one of them in the store? 
I'm one of them type of people who will go to a farmer's market and speak to everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. so once you start opening up to everybody, to all your local farmers, um, we're lucky where we live, we live a little bit out in the country. So we have got quite a lot of different kinds of farms around, different kinds of farmers around. So once you start engaging with the farmer and saying, look, I would like to take the skin off you. I'd like to take the tongue and the brains of your animals. Then they're more than happy to do that for you. You know, if you start saying to them what you want, they will supply you with anything you like. But oh, as well, now as well, which is a good thing, is there are there are getting to be bigger online companies uh, in the UK which will ship it to your door as long as you do a minimum order sort of thing. And they are regularly having in stock, when they've got it in stock, um, the tongues and the brains and, and the blood and the skin. You know, So you don't necessarily have to pre-order it. It's there on their website. Obviously, it says out of stock if they haven't got it, but it will be in stock at certain points when, when they've got it, which is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, that is brilliant. And, you know, and you, you know, you bring something up that I want to mention, if we go back to the talk around quality. So, so one thing when we talk, because we mentioned brains a few times, and inevitably, whenever you talk brain, everyone thinks about mad cow disease, right? Because, and I, and I think that that is an example of why it's so important to source, because the reason why we had mal cow, mad, mad cow disease is because uh, these animals, there would be sick animals, they would be slaughtered, but that you couldn't sell that meat to, to, you know, to humans. So what they did was they took it and then they refed it to the other, the healthy animals, you know, healthy, I'm putting in quotations. Yeah. And that's how you get mad cow disease. So it's really important that the conventional meat industry um, is not as, you know, conscious about uh, what they're feeding. They're, they're just trying to get the fattest animal for the cheapest price. And so when you go to, you know, a more artisanal, uh, farm or a ranch one that's a little smaller maybe a little bit more conscious they're going to be they're they're going to be more ethical about what they're feeding and how they're treating the animals so just a, another example of why it's so important yeah and no, i think a lot of people can learn a lot from the price as well you know it, people say oh well it's so expensive to buy organic meat it's so expensive to go to these local farms and things but think about it you know think about what they're doing they're raising the animal giving it the proper food, giving it the nutrient-dense food of its species that it requires, not feeding it any of the rubbish, like you said. Everyone yeah. has this idea that, oh, a hamburger is 69 cents. It's like, no, it's actually not. It's only 69 cents because it's you're paying for it with your taxes before it even gets to McDonald's or wherever it is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's why, obviously, the supermarkets and things sell them a lot cheaper because <laughs> they've got all the subsidies coming in from the farmers. But if you go direct to the farmers, you know you're paying him for all the quality he's put into that meat and you're going to get the quality back. So you yeah. know, never, I'll put it right out there now to anybody thinking, oh, well, I'll have to pay an extra few pounds to buy the same cut of meat that I would at the supermarket. But think about what it's doing to your health. You know, it's so much healthier. Well, and I'm sure you've heard the saying, you know, you're, you're going to pay for it one way. You either pay for it when you buy your food, you're going to pay for it when you go to the hospital, but you're going to pay for it one way, right? Yeah. Is it, what is it pay the farmer now or pay the pharmaceutical companies later? Yeah, exactly. There <laughs> yeah. you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sadly, very true. Sadly, very true. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's great. That's brilliant. I mean, I always try and um, introduce organ meats into anybody, everybody that I work with. I always try and introduce organ meats simply because what we said about the nutrient density and it's going to be so much easier now that we can get hold of your um pluck spices and seasoning things but i mean we're in the uk you're in the us you do ship internationally so can people go to your website and, and order some or is that the best uh, way absolutely yeah so the website is eatpluck.com um, 
And yeah, sadly, it is shipping from the U.S., so the the shipping is expensive. But uh, I recommend um, I recommend just ordering more, so that way you're maximizing what you're getting. We do we do discounts all the time. You can also look like actually. Um, well, I shouldn't even say this because this is gonna this is gonna air later. But like today, for example, we're doing a twenty five percent off discount. Um, but obviously, when this airs, it will be passed. But we do discounts all you know periodically so you can always look for those if you live internationally um but yeah i i can't wait for the day that we are carried in the u.s uh, in 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 the uk so that i can you know make it even more accessible because my that's ultimate ultimately my goal is i just i want to do good for people i want to do good for the planet and you know one of the ways that we're trying to do good for the planet is and this is something a lot of times people don't think about but is the packaging so uh our packaging while it is still a plastic, which I can't wait till one day we can move away from that, but that just right now it does not exist. It does not exist where you can have a food product that doesn't have some kind of layer of plastic because of the permeability, right? So that there has to be a, a layer that the food cannot permeate uh, through. And sadly, plastic is one of the main forms. But how we're kind of taking care of the planet is the product is very soft and light. So I don't, when we go to ship it, it's not wrapped in tons of other materials. There's no glass with potential breakage. It's not heavy. So we're using less fossil fuels when we send, mail it out to you. And all those things are what we're, we, we think about that stuff all the time. So it's for us, it's not just about doing good for your body. We're really trying to help people with the nutrient deficiency. And I would like to continue to try to lower the price as much as possible so more people can get it. Cause I, I really do hate that uh, health sometimes is so expensive. Yeah. That's something I, I was going to bring to you was um, do you have plans in the future or you've maybe thought about it, about getting it into the mainstream because now you, when we talk about, talk to people about getting salt, there's lots of pink Himalayan salt and rock salt and things that are out there now that didn't used to be out there. It used to be just table salt, but now you yeah. can get hold of that quite easily. It's in all the shops and things like that. So have you thought about, we need to get this into the mainstream. We need to get it onto the shelf in the supermarket, right next to all the other good stuff. Oh, I can't wait till that happens. Yeah. We're, <laughs> I, I think, you know, look, 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 look at the company, keep an eye on us in 2020 or uh, 20, to 2022 because i think with next year basically so i think that uh we're going to see a lot of movement um as i mentioned i i think that we're still far off from being you know in the local costco or you know like the, the real or kmart or something you know something that's truly more general um that's serving kind of a a, a broader base only because i think um most people are not fully ready for organ meat, just the idea of organ meat. But I think once they try pluck, they'll see this is an amazing entry into, into the nose to tail world. It just, it doesn't taste like organs. You're getting the nutrient density. And then also the, the, as you mentioned, it's just, it's just tasty. It's umami. It's, it's a little salty. It's just good. So it's just, it's a great all purpose spice. So um, yeah, look for us 2022. I think you're going to see a lot of expansion. Um, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be great to see. It just touching and a little bit on the. Hopefully, it will just continue. You know. Yeah, just touching on the the taste that you said, and you mentioned sugar a little bit earlier, and I obviously work with a lot of people who have high sugar diets to start with, 
and they say taste is a really big thing to them. So then they hate the taste of organ meats, they hate the taste of meat, they hate the taste of vegetables, simply because their palate is designed to love the taste of sugar. So right. <laughs> if, if, we can, if we can start to turn people's heads and, and start to get them over to like eating real food is what I promote a lot. Whatever kind of real food it is, you know, just get over to eating real food. Stop eating all that processed junk. Stop eating all the things you can buy with packaging and, and essays for ingredients labels and things like that. You know, stop all that. Get over to real food. And then what you'll find is perhaps your palates may change. Yeah, you brought that up earlier. And, and, I, and I'm glad you're circling back to it because it's so true. You know, people forget the palate is a living, breathing thing. It, it, it you know, um, if you've ever, if anyone out there who, who's had a baby can attest to this, that, you know, when your baby's from, you know, basically from when they can start eating solids till they're seven or something, they're constantly trying different foods. And one day they don't like spinach, but then if you keep trying five days later, they do, you know, you just never know. And, and, and something that's so important to what you're saying is that a lot of these, so there's two main ingredients in processed foods that are cheap. And that is sugar and salt. So that's why you see them in everything. Because what 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 manufacturers are doing is they're trying to increase how much money they can make from the product. So they need to fill the product with something that's cheap, so they can offset the cost, right? And it's always why you're going to see high high amounts of salt or high amounts of sugar in a product because it's cheap, 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 cheap. And so if the best thing you can do is move away from from those kind of products. And if you need to slowly titrate away, then you do that. But as you mentioned, once you pull sugar out of your diet, your palate starts to change. We used to do this sugar control detox. Uh, we, we used to do that a lot with people. And in 14 days of getting people to not eat sugar or starches or anything that converts into sugar into the body, everyone's palate would change. So they started out, let's say before the detox, they would have maybe two to three glasses of wine a night by the end of 14 days, okay, that's just two weeks, they could barely drink half a glass of wine because the wine was so sweet. And the same thing happens with food is suddenly when you pull these kind of really artificial flavors, these really strong blowing out your taste bud uh, foods out of your diet, then you start to taste the more subtleness of food. And I wanna just add this one last piece and, and we talked about it a little earlier, but I wanna identify it is, you know, whenever you eat, let's say a good sea salt, anyone, adult or kid, if you're low on sodium, you're gonna stick your finger in that salt, you're gonna taste it and your body is gonna to communicate to you, ooh, I want more of this. And you're gonna keep wanting it until your body says, oh, I'm good. And you can try this with salt and it really works. The body will say yes and it will say no, very definitively, right? Well. I find that with pluck as well. So what I, what I find is that the bodies are so much, they're craving organ meat so much, these ancestral foods so much that a kid or an adult will stick their finger in pluck and they, they just don't want to stop. The kids just want to keep eating it. And I really do believe that's a testimony of the body giving you biofeedback that I need more of this. I want this. This is something I'm deficient in. So it just, to me, it all goes, it, it, it all goes back to that. Listen to your body's response. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's brilliant the way you say that, because the only one thing the majority of the time that overrides that sensation in your body is sugar or that bliss point of the mixture of sugar, salt, fat, all put together in one particular food. It seems to wipe out all of your body's mechanisms to say, I've had enough. 
That's oh, <laughs> any yeah. other mineral like you like you mentioned, salt, magnesium, potassium. You know the list goes on. You can name them all, but that your body has its own mechanism to deal with making sure that you don't get you have you make sure you get enough and you make sure you don't get too much. I believe I am I am really on board with that. That your body's got its own mechanism. If you let it, if you give it the chance to be able to teach it that that's the way to go without disguising everything with the sugar and the salt and the fat mixture all in together then your body does have its own mechanism and it's all about like you say listening to your body because there is days sometimes that you feel really really low and you just crave a certain food i mean um my wife at certain times in the month she's like have we got any dark chocolate i just want some dark chocolate and it's it's magnesium she's she's right. suffering from um her body is low in magnesium so she's you know it's a craving that her body's giving her the signal that go get some magnesium <laughs> you know? and uh, if you're you, so right if the, you listen body to your body is, it's so smart it's so smart you know there was this experiment back in the day uh i, I want to say this was in the early 70s or late 60s where they did an experiment to see uh how kids are influenced by the food choices and so they were able to get this collection of kids where they put in the kitchen only you know kind of healthy things and they even would kind of plant certain things because they had tested all the kids before the experiment and they knew certain kids were deficient in certain things and so they would plant certain foods that were high in that deficiency to see if the kid would gravitate and they did every kid made good choices and there was no parent telling them what to do there was no one forcing them to eat anything they they made the choices that were needed for their body and they all made good choices so it's a it's a miraculous study of just showing that we have innate intelligence around the choices we make and i think the key word too is it's a choice so when people say i just don't know how to get off sugar it, well you're choosing that so i would say the first thing to do is what we already identified earlier which is don't bring it into your house yeah because when your wife has that craving for dark chocolate now she may need it in that moment but let's just say it's a crave. She's having a hard day and she's craving ice cream. Well, if the ice cream's in the house, she's going to eat it. But if it's not there, then she might be challenged to either feel the feelings of what's going on and or try something different, like maybe drink a glass of water or have an apple, you know, something, something different. But I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, challenge yourself, you know, don't just stay in a comfort zone because that comfort zone is most likely what is keeping you down if you're someone who is dealing with chronic illness. Yeah, I'm pleased you highlighted that because I often see it in my, in my practice a lot is the fact that people say, oh, I'm just so addicted to cake. I can't stop eating cake. I'm like, well, where are you getting the cake? From? You know, it's like, it doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, you can't just walk out the door and there's cake and you can't just throw it in. It's, you have to buy it. You have to bring it into your home or make it or just stop doing those things, you know, um, like you say, challenge your body. Our human bodies are an absolutely brilliant machine. Still now, people are finding out all these different kind of things within digestion and bioavailability, and there's all sorts of avenues to go with the human body. But the thing is, if you take it all the way back to evolution, and I studied a lot on paleoanthropology, and we've already figured it out, <laughs> you know, if, the more you deep dive into it, you can go back into our ancestors and think, well, they already knew this. They already searched out for the nutrient dense foods. Their body was already telling them what the kind of foods that they should have been eating was. Like you say, humans have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years. So we've figured it out already. Just give yourself the chance.
<laughs> yeah. And, and I would piggyback on that, that, cause that's so true that the one thing our bodies have not figured out is the processed food. That that's is right. the, that's the newest part of everything that we, we really don't, our bodies do not know what it is. We don't understand artificial flavors. We don't understand additives. We don't, our bodies don't know what to do with that. And so that's why we get into this head game of, of craving and addiction and addictions because our bodies are getting, um, they're getting uh, faulty uh, responses from things, you know, usually in nature, uh, if something's flavorful, it's not hundred percent, but usually if something's flavorful, it means there's nutrients in it. Now we go to the grocery store and you get a, a, a liquid that's bright green and, you know, you go to drink it and it's got a flavor of this kind of like intense lemon, lime, whatever, something or other. And your brain just goes, uh, I don't know what this is, but, uh, <laughs> I'll drink it. And then suddenly, you know, you're gaining tons of weight and not feeling icky, you know, but our, our bodies just don't know how to identify this stuff. So, so it ultimately does go back to, yes, we already know what works and, we know that if the product has a lot of ingredients in it, it probably isn't good for you. It's just, just, just go off the ingredients. You know, if, if it, if it has an ingredient list, then you're already in, you know, you're already delving into waters that are probably murky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, it's great to learn your ethos in nutrition as well, James, because it's easy just for people to throw a product out there and just say, this is good for you. Go eat this. But it's great that you've got all the, the backstory and all the science behind you and you've learned all the nutrition behind it as well to say look the reason i'm doing it is for you for the consumer because not a lot of companies out there do that they're just up there waiting for the money to come in basically aren't they? i, I yeah. hear you they're just playing off of trends and it and it bothers me so much you know something that is so interesting is because every every new diet that comes out what what's the first thing that happens the first thing that happens is the People following the diet try to figure out how can I still eat my desserts? <laughs> yeah. Right. Keto, keto is very popular now. And what's the biggest product out there around keto? It, you go to the store, it's keto desserts, it's keto snacks. And I, it annoys me. I'm not, I'm not trying to frown on the keto diet, but what I'm frowning on is exactly what you point out, which is it, it, companies that are basically feeding off of addictions. That, so they're not actually, they're just wrapping up the same addictive product, but in a different name and a diff, maybe has slightly different ingredients and different, it's just different packaging, but it's still uh, preying off of people's addictions. And, and, and I promise you, anyone listening to this, I will never add sugar to my product ever. Because <laughs> I just, I, I believe as an entrepreneur and as, as a person in society that cares about people that we need to be promoting and putting out products that are truly healthy, that are actually going to make you better, not keep you in the hole that you're already probably in. I mean, something as well that we haven't touched on is seed oils and, and vegetable oils, oh. because a lot of people just um, sneak those in all over the place, obviously to make the product easier, go manufacture bigger, lots of it and send to sell it cheaper, you know, uh, manufacture it cheaper, sorry. And then, and then sell it on. And um, I hope you're never going to introduce those either. I mean, I don't know. Oh, no, those. We'll never use those vegetable oils. That's for sure. And, you know, I'll give you a tip for your audience as well, because, you know, I am a chef. One, one of the, the things when, you know, one of the ways you can start to um, start eating healthier is to really stop buying dressings from the store. That's a really great first step. So I'm going to give you a ratio of what you can do to make your own dressing and you can make it as quickly and simply as in just in a mason jar, you know, any jar that has a lid. 
And what you want to do is just think about ratios. So it's, it's for when you make a salad dressing, it's three to one in the US and uh, in, in certain parts of Europe, it's five to one. So you can pick whichever, whichever you prefer. If you like something a little bit more kind of uh, oilier or fattier and a little less stringent from the from the um, the vinegar or the acid, then go five uh, then go five to one. And if you like a little bit more balanced, then go three to one. And so what I mean by that ratio is it's just three parts of oil or fat, and then one part of acid. So vinegar it could be lemon juice, it could be lime juice, it could be anything that's acidic. Um, so three parts to one part, and and then you your next question is well, well what's what what part like what size it's as long as it's consistent, it doesn't matter. So we, let's just say it's a tablespoon, three tablespoons of olive oil, one tablespoon of balsamic vinegar, you know, three tablespoons of avocado oil, one tablespoon of malt vinegar, you know, whatever, whatever it is you, you, you want to use. Um, but if you follow that ratio, you can make salad dressings within a 60 seconds. I mean, it's literally do that, pour those in, shake, you're done. And then you can, from there, you can get fancier. You can then add a little salt and pepper. You could add pluck, for example. On our website, we have a vinaigrette on there that, that incorporates pluck. You could add some herbs. You know, you can get fancier, but the basic recipe is just three to one or five to one. Stop eating those salad dressings from the store because that is where all that bad stuff is hiding. And I promise you that one change that as we've been talking about this whole time is that will affect you in a in monumental ways and your palate will start to change just from doing that yeah that's brilliant because i always advocate make your own whatever it is make your own even if you're buying burgers sausages whatever it is don't trust what's in them make your own and sauces like you say salad dressings they are the big ones for sneaking in sugar and seed oils and vegetable oils and, and just all sorts of kind of sweeteners as well, which are things to avoid. So you know yourself, if you're making it at home, you know exactly what's going into it. And thanks for that. That's a very, very good tip and nice and easy. I'm going to go try that now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really does work. And, and like I said, you can get fancier, but but uh, it, that's just the basic ratio, three to one or five to one. And, you know, and it is important to remember that, so we're advocating that you make your own food, but it, it is important to remember when you eat out, you are still susceptible to all those bad oils because most restaurants are just purchasing pre-made things. So they're, they're just going to a restaurant depots or restaurant supply stores. And what they're getting is large batches of craft dressing, or, you know what I mean? Or, or large batches of the things that you're buying in the store. So sadly, um, most restaurants are not the place to go to for homemade dressing because it's not, it's not usually homemade unless it's truly, you know, you're watching them make it in front of you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume it's homemade. Yeah. Yeah. People don't, don't associate that with restaurants, but restaurants will always cook in the cheap oils as well. So whatever you're having, even if it hasn't got a dressing on it, assume it's being cooked in a cheap oil, like we call it rapeseed oil over here. It's canola oil. I think in, yep. in the, it's just bought on the biggest scale you can think of and then used in all their cooking so again if you're not cooking it yourself if you can't see how it's being made and just assume it's cooked not the way not the optimal way let's say <laughs> and if we have time i'd love to share a little story about this because actually the oil is really funny funny do we have a time for a little yeah, little yeah sure more? yeah okay um so i was working with this group uh who had hired me to create their menu um for a restaurant concept and so when we started the process, they, 
they took me around um, to all the restaurants that they believed were the benchmarks. So they thought this is the best of what we have found for, let's say, fried potatoes. Like this is the best fried potatoes we've found. And so if they wanted fried potatoes on their the menu and if I was creating it, they, they wanted to make sure I either equaled or topped that one, right? So they took me to this one restaurant and it was actually fried potatoes. And um, the minute I walked into the restaurant, I could smell that it was rancid bad oil that they were using. I don't officially know what oil it was, but it, you could smell it. It was probably canola. It was, it, it was probably... Uh, corn or soy it was just bad you could smell it in the air and people that um and this is kind of what i'm going for is like if you can't tell that something smells bad then it means that you're still your palate and your 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 taste buds are not acclimated to the real way things should be and that's why starting this process you're going to find out and with these this uh these people that i was working with I brought that up to them and I tasted the product I said, you guys don't taste that this is, this oil is bitter. It's bad. Like it's not good. And they couldn't taste it. Then we skip ahead two weeks and now I've been cooking for them for two weeks and I've been making things from scratch and I've been using the proper oils and I've been preparing things properly. And then we go back to the restaurant and they couldn't even walk in the restaurant. Their, <laughs> yeah. no, their sense of smell and their taste had changed in two weeks and they saw what I had seen. They understood why I said, this is not good. So that would be something just to think about for people out there that are always eating out. Cause I know we're all stressed out. We all have, you know, we're very busy and it's so easy to just get things to go or, or order out. And the more you can even just take it one week at a time but just try to make every meal from scratch for one week and then a second week and then go try that, that that restaurant that you love so much, I think you'll learn a lot. That's, that would be a veg, very educational trip for you. It is. Uh, so that's the, the way. It's a great story. And it's the way I'm lucky that I see the light bulb moment in people because I work with them. Some people I work with for four weeks, some people I work with for a lot longer, up to 12 weeks. And you can see that light bulb moment where they go, oh my God, what have I been doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's great. It's, it's, it's really good. And people who don't know, like you say, and people who don't know, who can't smell it, who can't taste it, then perhaps you need to look at your nutrition. You need to start thinking, okay, maybe I need to go over a bit more into the real food world. Look, digging deep to none of this processed stuff, none of this eating out just for a while. And then, like you say, go back and it see what was going on. And I think what we're ultimately saying, which I hope is the message people are taking, is that there is hope. Like we're, we're, we're trying to say like anyone that's stuck in, you know, uh, chronic illness or feeling like nothing's changing. We're trying to tell you it, it can change. You just need to take different steps. You need to do differently than what you are doing right now. But it will change and it will change as quickly as one week or two weeks. It really can change that quick. So, uh, you know, get your support, get, get your support team and, and just, just take, take, make the change today. Cause I think that's the other mistake people make around health is they wait for the right time. And there's never going to be right. There's always going to be something wrong in society or something hard or something stressful. So just, just start today and just take it one step at a time and just do your best. And then as you learn what your, you know, as your best gets better then do better. <laughs> That's right. There's never a right time. I always say do something better tomorrow than you did today. So it's as easy as that. And, yeah. and that's great, James. Thank you very much for your time. 
And I love the ethos behind it. I, I was drawn in to pluck anyway. I love the taste and it goes with everything. And now I love it even more because you've got all the ethos behind it, which is great. Um, so just tell everybody who's listening where to follow along with you and uh, and your website again, where they can buy it. Absolutely. So on social media and Instagram, Facebook, we're um, at eat pluck. And then the website is eatpluck.com. And um and right away, when you first go to the site, you can sign up for our newsletter and you'll get 10% off right away your first purchase. And then, like I said, if you follow, you know, make sure to sign up for our newsletter because we're always sending out uh, deals and, and specials. And it's and we really reserve a lot of that to our newsletter group. So make sure to uh, sign up for that and, um, and, and, and share with us. Let us know what you think because we're a new company and we're, we're just grateful for everyone's responses and and uh, we want to continue to learn and get better ourselves, just like I'm soliciting you to do on this podcast. Yeah, that's great. I'll pop all that in the uh, show notes anyway for people to click on and, and go straight to and follow you and, and have a look at the website. So thank you very much for today, James. Thanks for having me. Well, what a great chat that was from Chef James Barry there. He uh, really has put some hard work behind the scenes into his new product, Pluck. And like I said in the podcast, it really does taste great and it's got all the nutrition in there for you. So the bottom line of everything what we talked about today was make sure you're getting that nutrition into your diet. All those vitamins, all those minerals, everything that you can source from animal produce and especially organs. The main thing you need to be focusing on right now is getting more organ meats into your nutrition it will help you no end so if the one thing you do tomorrow is go out there and buy some pluck from james then do it start to introduce it into your nutrition if you do want to buy some product from james then he's been helpful enough to send a money off code our way so yes that's 15 percent off if you go to his website and order some you can get 15 percent off with the code HNL15, that's capitals, all capitals, HNL for Human Nutrition Lifestyle and 15. So go get some. It really is good stuff and it goes with everything. Just keep following along with us. You know where we are. We're in the Facebook group, Human Nutrition and Lifestyle, on Instagram at Human Nutrition Lifestyle. The new Twitter account is at Human Nutri Life and all the links to everything, even the links to the podcasts on the website www.humannutritionlifestyle.com so until next time introduce those organ meats be happy be strong and thrive